What the Four is up, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of What the Four podcast. Episode five, special guest this week, Coach Matt Terry, Hedman's golf coach at Louisiana Tech University in the big city of Ruston, Louisiana. Uh, T, as we found out, he is an awesome coach, awesome guy to know and has some incredible stories that he shares with us. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you there, Dan. Great to be with you this week, by the way. Um, it's always great to be with you, man. <laughs> absolutely. Always. You know, I think uh, another thing with Coach Terry, uh, he's another one of those guys that we've kind of gotten to know out there at the, you know, at the coaches' convention in Las Vegas. And his perspective, I think, is just excellent. Um, you know, obviously, he's a uh, kind of a multi-sport guy. He just speaks a little bit about his, you know, playing football, kind of growing up and right. baseball and uh, kind of transformed into this golfer. And, um, you know, I think that is a uh, – it's a great thing for a coach to kind of have multiple, you know, perspectives in sports. And uh, he definitely has that. And I think the listeners will uh, thoroughly enjoy this podcast That and, you know, kind of the stories that he has to share with us. Yeah, 100%, man. No, he's, he's – like you said, multi-sport, kind of seen it all uh, growing up, baseball, football – um, and then ventured into golf, but, you know, started out at the Juco level, um, in coaching. So he's kind of, he's kind of been through it all, um, and seen it all and started at a great level to kind of learn a lot. Um, we don't want to give away too much of the, of the conversation, but we'll just say that, you know, his, his starting out is, is not as glamorous as a lot of people think, um, that coaching can be, um, they think we we just get to play golf every day and <laughs> hate to break it to them. That's not the case. That that is not the case, Dan. <laughs> so, maybe, maybe maybe right now a little bit, but not yet. <laughs> right, right, yeah, right. Um, but no, it's you know he he touches on it. It's we get to do the best job in the world each and every day. We're fortunate enough to do it. Um, and, and Coach Matt Terry kind of reminds us of that. Definitely, absolutely. I think I think the listeners will really enjoy it, Dan. Yeah, I think so too. Um, without further ado, let's get right into it. Uh, T, myself, Coach Matt Terry, we're on the T. Joined now, ladies and gentlemen, by the head men's golf coach at Louisiana Tech University in Ruston, Louisiana, Coach Matt Terry. Coach, how's everything been going uh, kind of in these unprecedented times and unnormal times? I know you've probably gotten that question a lot, but How's everything been going with you down in the great state of Louisiana? You know, it's it, like everybody else. It, it's an ever-changing deal. Um, you know, I want to, you know, make sure that the, our players are doing fine um, back home. They're all back home doing, you know, doing their schoolwork, just like everybody else is, you know, via distance learning. But, you know, I just want to make sure they're kind of, you know, just staying mentally competitive. You know, we've got our social distancing and everything we have to do, but, you know, they're still going to the golf course and, and still doing doing stuff like that. And the tough thing, you know, is knowing that they're playing well or, you know, that they feel like they're playing great and we could be in the middle of, you know, a good run right now. But everybody can say that. You know, the, the main thing for us is, you know, I think we're doing the right things and and hopefully this thing's going down and, and getting a little easier, and, and especially in all the big cities. I know for us in South Louisiana, you know, Orleans and Jefferson Parish has been hit pretty hard with this. And up here, you know, Shreveport's been hit pretty good. But, you know, it seems like it's diminishing. I think we were down 300 and 
we were down to just 340 cases uh, today, yeah. which is which is really good. You know, it's it, we're at 23,928 reported cases. So, you know, it, it's it's different. Um, strange being home first time in I think 22 years. I've been at home for this long of a stretch with my family. I'm sure my kids are getting driven nuts by me, but. You know, it's, right. It's been kind of refreshing. I've been actually getting to play a little bit of golf at Squire, and and uh, you know, with the social distancing, it's a perfect spot, perfect place to be. Is is out there, one person to a cart, and you know, or walk and go out and play, because the weather's been fantastic here. Right. No, hundred percent. That's that's. It's not a bad spot to be on the golf course. No, not at during all. During all this, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Coach, just kind of tell us a little bit about your golfing background and, and how how you got into uh, coaching. Well, I, I um, you know, came out of high school. when I, I transferred high schools when I was in ninth grade, and I intended to go to that high school to try to play baseball and, and football. And, you know, things didn't work out the way we always planned it, especially not when you're 13, 14 years old. And, and uh, we uh, ended up playing golf. I ended up getting into golf probably 10th, 11th grade. And uh, got into it relatively late, um, but I loved it because everything was on you. And uh, that, I kind of like the facet of that. You know, you had no one to, to blame or, or anything for your failures but you when you play golf because nobody's trying to block your shot or anything else. But, but um, went, to, went and played in junior college for a couple years. Um, you know, got a lot better, a ton better there. And, and had, had the, the old visions of grandeur like a lot of kids do. Wanted to go to University of Alabama where, where my dad had, had gone and played football. And, and uh, you know, it was the wrong spot, wrong time to go down there for me because the team was extremely good. I mean, they were 13th or 14th in the country. There wasn't a chance in Hades I was going to ever make that team. <laughs> and, uh, and so, you know, I ended up just finishing my degree there and practiced the whole time you know, and, and worked hard at it, tried to play for a couple of years, you know, donated to a lot of people. Um, you know, and, and there's a million people with that story, but, you know, donated to a lot of guys that, you know, some of them are out there, you know, still playing on the PGA Tour. But, you know, I was fortunate. I, I, I had uh, had made some really good contacts when I was in Tuscaloosa, and uh, there was a junior college there, Shelton State Community College, that, um, that I, I knew the coach. And, and I had watched uh, the guys qualify a few times, you know, when I was in school finishing up, and he had asked me to go out collect scorecards. You know, your normal, your normal thing as a, as a coach, which we do every, every time we qualify, you know, we ride around and watch the guys play. And, and this guy was a retired state trooper and ex-military guy, um, had done two tours in Nam, just a, just a great individual, great mentor. And he, um, you know, he, he had a guy lined up to be the next head coach when he shut it down. And, it just so happened when I was finishing tour school in 98 that I, I, I said to myself, I got to get a job. Happened to call up there, and, and the guy he had had lined up, some things fell through. And he asked me if I wanted to come be his assistant. And, man, I was so jacked up. And, you know, you guys know the life of an assistant, football coaches, GAs, all this good stuff. I said, man, what, hey, what does it pay? And I was, I've been married for two years, $250 a month. Oh, man. <laughs> and, 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 and I accepted it right when he offered it. And my wife went home um, to North Alabama where we're from, and she coached her high school softball team with, with one of her mentors, and she started coaching again. And, um, and then I went, I went and slept on a buddy's futon from college, lived out of my suitcase, and um, learned the ropes really quick on how to do things, how to, how to get POs through that 
where they wouldn't take a week. You know, I could walk a PO through in about an hour and get all the signatures and, and buy golf balls. And, you know, doing that in junior college and having to kind of nickel and dime and, and you know, just do some things that, that you don't sometimes have to do, you know, at, at the Division One level. You know, you, you, don't, you don't have to do some of the things I did, and I learned a lot. And, you know, we had an extremely good team, won a national title in 1999, my first year with them. Um, I mean, they were really, really good, really talented. And, you know, I, I just kind of I, I blended well in with it. I hated, um, I hated the recruiting aspect at the time because, you know, I still wanted to kind of play. And I loved being with the guys. But I just – and since then, since, you know, going to Troy after that, uh, went to Troy in 2002. Um, they shut the golf program down in 02 at the junior college and kind of jumping around. But we, I was there four, four and a half years. Uh, we won a couple national titles and uh, shut the golf program down due to funding and was very fortunate to, to hook on at Troy and um, coach both teams, which, Daniel, you've gotten to do that, and, and uh, coach both teams there um, with a student assistant and then later got a GA and was there from 02 to uh, – right before I came here in 17, so 15 years of being there. And um, coached both teams for 11 years, and, and it was an extremely tough and great learning process at the, at the same time. And, you know, I was fortunate during that time to meet a lot of people, you know, get tight with a lot of coaches from all over the country. And, um, you know, and one of my best friends in coaching, if not my best friend, James Schilling, who you know real well, Daniel, he, he, mm -hmm. he, helped, he helped me through a lot of it with with coaching both teams, kind of telling me, man, you can't beat yourself up. And he made one of the greatest statements that, uh, that I ever had. I was beating myself up over the girls' team because they weren't as good as the men. And we were sitting there talking one day, and he said, hey, remember, it's what you do for a living. It's not who you are as a man. And, um, and it kind of changed my outlook wow. on what I wanted right. to do. And, and, uh, and we got a lot better after that. You know, I stopped kind of complaining about not having things and went out and tried to get things done. And, um, you know, I had some good mentors there at Troy, you know, other coaches on the staff, um, you know, even the first guy that, that, that hired me, Johnny Williams and Scott Farmer, you know, they were, were great, great people and, and just kind of guided me. They, you know, there were a lot of roadblocks it felt like, but it was all, it was all meaningful stuff that, you know, I, I, I have the experience now with going through that. We finally split the programs in 13 and my GA at the time, Bart Barnes, became the women's coach. And we ended up, I think we went to six regionals, you know, before I came here, counting the women's team. Um, individuals went to regionals, took two guys to the national championship individually. And uh, the girls won three conference titles. We won one. Um, you know, so once we split the programs, we were able to kind of divide and conquer the deal. And we were able to recruit the right players in. And, you know, since then, I said I didn't like recruiting at the start. Now I love it. I love that part of it, and, you know, it's probably my most enjoyable thing is, is bringing, you know, young men to campus here and, and showing them Squire Creek and what our university and our town is. It's just, it's just a phenomenal experience to get to do now at 48 years old that, that I, would have never, I would have never dreamed of coaching when I was, you know, coming, coming out of college. You know, I figured I, I, I remember going on an interview when I graduated with a glass producer company this, in Birmingham, and the guy offered me a offered me the job, and I turned it down because I wanted to try to play. So I went and spent a ton of money instead of making money. <laughs> uh, but I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you two guys tonight had it, you know, had it not had it not all happened this way. And 
you know, everything falls into place for a reason. We all, we're all put in areas, and, you know, it's our job just to just to run with it and do the best we can and, and um, you know, try to be the best for our players that we possibly can on a daily basis. Right, no, 100%, Coach. And that's one thing, you know, T and I are finding out uh, through this podcast and having so many great coaches on here is that we all start somewhere different and everybody's road to kind of where we are now is, is all different paths and shapes and windy roads. And uh, your, your start is definitely unique and, and something that you probably look back on and, and cherish. Oh, there's no doubt. I, you know, like I said, I, I wouldn't have ever dreamed of being where I'm at today. And, and, you know, sitting there looking at, I mean, I brought my team over here at Troy, um, probably 09, 10, we came over and played Squire. And I was like, man, we don't have a place in Alabama to get prepared for this you know, the greens, the speed, and everything else. And now I'm right. here every day. I mean, I played yesterday, you know, with a bunch of guys, and, and I'm like, I'm, I, I just – I stand, and you know what I'm talking about, the, You know, I stand right. on, on 15 green, and I'm just looking around. You know, I'm standing <laughs> on 14 green, looking around, going every, – every day I do it when I go out there. And, and, and I don't know if I'll ever stop because, I mean, even the people from here that have been playing it since 02, since it opened, they're – they they do the same thing, right? You know, no, it, it is a yeah, it's every, a heck of a place. And everybody's got their spots like that. I'm just I'm just I count myself very fortunate to be here and and um, be doing what I'm doing for a living. Are you kidding me? I mean, we get, right. we, get, we coach golf, <laughs> right? Yeah, no, right. absolutely. You know, yeah, Coach Terry. I've yeah. heard I've heard so many great things about Squire Creek, and and the, Daniel's kind of said a lot about that with me. Um, one thing that I always kind of like to um, ask coaches on this podcast is, you know, you kind of mentioned, you know, how you kind of transition with your recruiting a little bit. Um, how has recruiting changed from when you started coaching to today? You know, I, obviously, I, I feel like it's changed quite a bit, and I'm kind of interested to kind of hear your perspective on that. Well, it's, it, it's been real interesting because, you know, I feel like with the evolution of, of what we've done – you know, we got so many good golf coaches that are that are that are coaching from from the junior college level all the way up. I mean, heck, you got Walt Williams coaching out in West Texas, and he's a Division One coach at Washington State, at ULM. I mean, and and now he's coaching JUCO. So you got guys that know how to recruit. They know how to beat the bushes. And you know, back then, you know, you're you're looking at finding you know some needles in a haystack coaching junior college, recruiting those guys. And we recruited you know a lot of Alabama. Mississippi kids, um, and, and into Tennessee. And, and we would, you know, we would find our little niche of guys and, and they were really good, but the level of play and, and how good these guys are and how good they swing it has gotten better and better. I mean, even on the women's side, you know, for 11 years of doing that, it was amazing. When I went into Troy, we had a girl, she was probably our three or four player and she had never broken 80. And, and, she had never broken 80. I mean, like in a casual round of golf. And of course she, you know, she quickly did and, and uh, to her credit, but, and then when I, you know, when I get done coaching the women's team, you know, the last recruit I brought in there was, was Fatima Fernandez Cano. She girl won seven times and, and she's on the future store. She's phenomenal. So it was night and day difference. And just, and just that 11 years of doing it there, you know, and then, what we're doing now with recruiting, you know, these kids are all so good. And, and, and now we've been thrown even a bigger ball here with the, with the portal, you know, with all these young men, 
and women in the in the transfer portal, people wanting their fifth year, people wanting that extra year, the grad year, because the NCAA has granted it back, and, and there's a ton of talent out there. I'm I'm going to be real interested to see just how good college golf is this next year because it should be a ton better. But you know, sure. I, I mean, I think we're going to be better just just with having my guys come back another year. You know, with with this same bunch of guys. I mean, I've got three guys that are graduating, that are that are moving on, and and um, two have to finish this summer. And you know, we're we're one of the schools we're we're paying um, here for baseball and softball for to do that to do their extra year for the seniors. And but they're not doing it, you know, for us. And 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 I and I understand that because it's it's money. You know, it's it's a money thing, and and people, I think most people understand, but it's exp- I mean it. It's expensive, you know, to have college athletics, and you know we're very fortunate to be coaching, and 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 I've kind of count my blessings to have a job. But you know, back to talking about the recruiting, it's it's changed a a, a great deal. I think the players are smarter, um, you know, with with how they're getting recruited. You know, you can't um, you can't find that foreign player anymore that nobody knows about. You know, everybody, you know, you go over there and and recruit, you know, in Europe or whatever. And there's 20 coaches over there, 25, 30 at the British boys, you know, that are watching golf. And, and um, so you're, you're sitting there trying to get your best local player. Then you're expanding out into Texas and out oh, for me, Texas, Arkansas, you know, and, and then I'm just spreading out as far as I can go, you know, into Canada, you know, Mexico, it doesn't matter. You know, just trying to find the best player you can that fits your program and, you know, for me, I've got. You know, I thought I knew everything when I left JUCO. You know, we won a couple of national titles. We were really good. I had four of my five guys sign Division One scholarships. Um, one one with me to Troy. I said, "Man, I know everything. I knew, I knew nothing. I knew absolutely nothing then." And, 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 and I, you know, I'm getting a little bit better every year, but I've got so much, and I'm still trying to pick brains of people and learn and. and um, you know, we, we, we lose recruits here like anybody else, and, and it shocks me because I'm like, why would you not come here? You know, because we didn't have Squire Creek at Troy. We had a beautiful facility that we spent $3.1 million on, but we didn't have Squire Creek. I'm like, why wouldn't you come here? But it's a 16-year-old, 15, 16-year-old making a decision. You know, and you can't, you can't get them to think like you do. I mean, I've got three kids myself. I've got one at 17, one 19, and one that's 9, and, man, I, I'm – we do good to get them to bring their laundry down. <laughs> Much less make the right decision for college. And, and, but the thing is, there's so, like you said, there's so many really good players out there that just because you don't get one, there's another one right behind, you know, door B. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you may have your A guy, you think he's the best guy, but you end up with the B guy and he ends up being better than the A guy. You know, because uh, – That's really good. I think actually in our first episode with Coach Schilling – uh, the quote of you never really know where you're going to find a player was something that was said. And that is so true. Mm-hmm. I, I think you could attest to that, you know, you never really know where you're going to get them. So you always kind of have to be looking for them. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt. I mean, I, I, I remember um, uh, one, a good friend of mine, Whit Turnbow, that's out of coaching now. Um, he's the director of Tennessee golf foundation. Um, and he called me about a Canadian kid. He had seen play uh, when he was up at the Canadian junior and, and, you know, he was signing a really good one and, he said, hey, I got this guy. I can't get him. I don't have enough money to get him. But you may like him. He just shot 68 in the driving rain. It was blowing 30. Um, he doesn't have a huge junior resume, but I think this kid could be really good. Kid ended up making the winning putt for us to win that, the uh, conference championship in 16. 
and was three-time all-conference player for us, Luke Moser, you know, oh, from yeah. Waterloo, Canada. And he nice. – I mean, the kid, the kid was phenomenal. And that was another coach just saying, hey, check this kid out. And, I mean, I remember his dad, when they were on their visit, he showed me his highlight video, and it was hockey hits. <laughs> and I was thinking, I'm going to like this guy. You know, and he right. came in and it was a great player for us and, and even a better guy, uh, you know, and, and, you know, a leader for us in a lot of ways. And, and that was a guy that I had never seen play. I never once watched him play. I saw swing videos and his resume and everything, but I went, went off a good friend's word on a player. And, and I think that happens sometimes. And, and, you know, sometimes, you know, the player doesn't, they don't realize that, you know, they can't close their doors to everybody just because you can't come see them play. Because just like in this time, we're not getting a recruit right now. Players aren't getting to play. So, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, the the ninth, 10th, and 11th graders come out of this and see where they're at. And, you know, because like the 21 and 22 class, you know, it's going to – it could be slim pickings for some of those guys and girls, you know, because, because coaches are going to keep players on their roster possibly, you know, a little longer that – you know, if you've got a kid that's a junior that's going to get his junior year back, would you rather have him for two more years or get a freshman in? You know, if you really like that junior, you're going to want him to stay because they're going to be more mature. Right. True. Very. That's a good point there, Coach. What, coach Terry, what is there somebody that you kind of – a coach that you looked up to growing up or somebody that you idolized? And it doesn't have to be golf coach. It can be across any sport, but – uh, just kind of in short terms, who's your who's your favorite coach that you looked up to? You know, b- being in Alabama, of course, we all idolized, you know, Coach Bryant. You know, my dad had the for- good fortune to go down there and play. And, you know, I-, I looked up to my dad a lot from that standpoint. You know, he was real simple with th- things he used to say to me and, you know, ways, ways he motivated. You know, I remember, you know, I caught when I was young and he would he would get off work and come out there in his, his blue jeans and his, and his steel-toe boots and he would – he would throw to me. We'd go to the baseball field and do it. I mean, I, he'd be worn out, but he would go out and do those things to me. And, and, you know, between reading Brooks Robinson stuff, Johnny Bench stuff, all that stuff, you know, my dad did a lot of those things for me. But, you know, it, I, had a, I had a really good, um, you know, really good coach in, in high school football, my offensive line coach uh, named Larry Peck. And I didn't even – I mean, I didn't even play that much in high school. But – I remember the guy really well because he was so good at what he did. Now that I'm coaching, remembering back what he did is, you know, he's, I think he's retired now, but, you know, the things he did for us and how he motivated us and how he got excited and, and you know, things that, that we did. We had an indoor practice field in 1985. Most people didn't have that. And we would get wow. in there and get after ourselves pretty hard. And, and he would get in there and it'd be boiling hot and he'd just be fired up running around having a blast. And the funny thing is to connect that, you know, cause I, I, I said this on my job interview at Troy that it, he was the best, you know, coach I played for. And the funny thing is the AD at the time, Johnny Williams puts his feet up on his desk and grins at me and tells me that was his roommate in college. <laughs> you know, and, and, and that, that's a story I love telling because it, it just, it just goes to show you, you know, I wasn't going to play college football. You know, I barely played specialty teams. You know, I was a number two guy. And that ended up impacting me and my family, you know, what, 12 years later after I graduated high school. His name affected me. And it wasn't even – and it was just a passing statement that I made because a similar question was asked to me by him in that interview. 
because he didn't put two and two together that I had gone to Hartsville High School. And, um, but, but him and, and then the guy that got me started coaching, um, you know, Jim Collins, he was great. He, he taught me so many things. I mean, you know, he would share stories from, from his police days, from being in Vietnam, and he, he was real open when I would ask him things, you know, because that's serious pressure. You know, not standing over a five-foot putt. And serious pressure is when, you know, he, he, and I'm not going to share many stories with you guys about it, but, you know, about when he, they, were, they were attacked, you know, numerous times and outnumbered. And, you know, he, he told me some things, and I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that, you know, people – and you're, you're, you're coaching at West Point, you know, with, with the elite of the elite up there. And, and he, he, he told me a lot of things, and that, that helped me become a better coach, things he shared that. He was a two-time national pistol shooting champion. He was a one-time world champion. So, he, you know, he taught me a lot about different things that I've been able to use and just when I speak to players on the golf course. And, you know, he taught me how to kind of leave them alone, too, and just let them do their thing, you know, trust them. Um, that sometimes not being on top of them is showing a player more trust than, you know, walking hand-in-hand with them. And, and that, that – uh, you know, that, that's helped me numerous times and, and staying out of the way of these guys. Because if they're doing what they're supposed to at home and working hard and they, they do a great job in the practice round, I mean, let them go. Let them, let them get after it. I mean, it's right. fun to get with them and read a putt and, and be with them when they want you there. That's fun. It's fun to be involved. But, you know, sometimes letting them go, too, is so exciting. Because, you know, it's, a, it's, it's like, you know, when you have kids and your kids learn to ride a bicycle and you're pushing it with them and then you let them go and you look up and they're pedaling it and they're balancing you're like, wow, there it is, you know, and, and, right. and it's, it's similar. I know that, you know, that's kind of twisted around asking who, who uh, was kind of my mentors, but it, um, you know, it was definitely, you know, those three guys had a huge impact on, on just the way I am now. And, and uh, you know, I've calmed down a lot over the years, I think, with, with just the way I do things. So. Right. No, that's, that's great, Coach. What a, what a fantastic answer. I appreciate yeah, it. Coach, excellent insight there. Um, we've uh, we to kind of close here. We've uh, we've began a little bit of a tradition here on the on the what the four podcast. Um, a little bit of the biggest question that we ask, um, you know, and the question is, Coach, you know, if you're on a 36 hole day out with your guys, mm-hmm. what is the preferred lunch that you could have on a 36 hole day at a golf tournament? Wow. Well, I, I, I know I know that uh, my good friend Coach Schilling's already stolen this, so because it, 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 we talked about it, Chick Fil A, and and uh, we at one year at, at at my tournament Montgomery, a men's tournament, I had brokered a deal because you know you, you got to kind of you know shuck and jive every now and then, and I brokered <laughs> a little deal with uh, with Chick Fil A, and I got two sandwiches and a brownie for five bucks for every player, and I had players come up to me and hug me, but. You know, for me as a coach, probably the be- probably the best lunch. Um, Arkansas State used to do these um, these smoked bologna sandwiches for coaches. The players got the normal bag lunch, turkey and ham sandwich, and uh, we would take it out to them. And the, the, the old the old guys that supported um, you know the, the Red Bulls up there, they would uh, they would be smoking meat the whole day on that 36 hole day for dinner that night. So you could smell it all over the golf course. <laughs> and they would put they would put this thick cut bologna on there at seven o'clock in the morning, and it would start smoking. And then you'd go up there and get your loaf bread, your your onions and mustard, and get on there. So that was that was a good one. And then my first year here, I had uh, I had uh, 
the, the our GM here told the coaches they could come in and um, and eat the brunch, you know, during the practice round. That wasn't a thirty six mm-hmm. all day, but during the during the brunch, and you didn't take you didn't partake in that D. You should have you should have came in and ate that. I mean, black and shrimp crates during a practice round. Pretty good. That was, that was uh, too fancy for me, Coach. Was, <laughs> like, I, did, I didn't want to overstep the boundaries. You know, I was I was happy with like the turkey wrap. So. No, no doubt, no doubt. <laughs> That's excellent. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. No, Chick Fil A seems to be uh, seems to be the popular choice. Oh, um, it, it, it's un, it, it's un, unbelievable because it gives you. I mean, you know, if you can get two two chicken sandwiches, you know, you, it, it gets you through that round. It's a little bit better than just a protein bar. Right. Right. No, I for sure. I think Absolutely. my first college tournament, and, and T knows this, uh, playing there at, at the uh, Louisville. Cardinal Intercollegiate at yeah. Golf Club of Louisville there now, University of Louisville Golf Club. But uh, uh, first box lunch that we ever had was two Chick-fil-A sandwiches. And I, I mean, I, I think I shot a cool 77 first college round ever, but I didn't care. I got two Chick-fil-A sandwiches. I was hopping all over the golf course. No doubt. No doubt. I, <laughs> see, I, I, remember, I remember when I was coaching junior college, we'd play those 36 whole days, and you'd be on your own for the food. You know, I'd make PB&Js for the guys, and they would just right. – Crushed peanut butter and jellies. We did a lot of nickel and diamond and stuff in junior college. You know, right. You, you didn't. Wow. You didn't get that much good, good food there. A really good meal was if you played well, you got to go to uh, Golden Corral. There we go. <laughs> sure. Now, now we're talking. Now we're talking. Well, Coach Terry, we we can't thank you enough for uh, spending some of your time uh, with us uh, on this episode of What the Four Podcast. We. We appreciate it. Uh, they've got the right guy for the job down there in Ruston. Um, you know, keep keep doing what you're doing, and, and hopefully, you know, like like all the coaches talk with it, we'll get through this, and, and yep. we'll be back on the golf course here in no time. We're, we're looking forward to it. Uh, well, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. And you guys stay safe, and, and we'll be out there again, you know, pretty quickly, I think. Uh, you know, just keep praying, and, and uh, you know, hopefully everybody will be doing fine soon. Absolutely, Coach. We look we look forward to getting back with our coaching colleagues and, and back in competition real soon. That's right. That's right. Well, listen, guys, you, you guys take care. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely, Coach. Thanks, Coach. Thank you. You really don't know because you don't know what we're trying to do. You guys don't look at the films. You don't know what happened. You really don't know. You think you know, but you don't know. Folks, welcome to the 19th hole here on What the Four Podcast. Got a little bit of different setup for you this week. Uh, figured we'd spice things up, keep keep it random for you. Uh, we don't want to get any of those uh, stock yardages or anything. Uh, we actually have a good friend of the podcast. We have a uh, Tom of Potts. Tom of Potts is uh, one of my best friends that I have. He was actually the best man in my wedding. Uh, Potts. He will be referred to as Potts in this podcast. Potts, how I'm are you? I'm doing good, fellas. Thanks for having me on. You know, long time listener, first time caller. Glad to be here. Excellent. I love that. I love that. Glad we have some loyalty. You know, baby. Uh, So pretty much, Potts. You know, we wanted to bring you in here. um, And usually, this is the segment of our podcast where you know we take a couple listeners' questions. um, And so uh, we wanted to bring you in here to read those questions off to us. And uh, Potts, before we get into anything, I have to give you a little little grounds here. I heard you played a golf match against somebody today and and why don't you give us the details uh well you know um i played with a fella named taylor riggs today um you know you might you guys might know him. um you know a good buddy of mine 
um, you know, it was it was tough conditions out there. Um, but, you know, we both battled and it, it came down to the wire. It really did. Came down the last few holes. You know, I just hit a few more good shots than bad shots and I uh, came out True. with a W. <laughs> True. USGA handicaps were involved. So we will give shout out USGA and those no free ads on this podcast. Um, but uh, Pacho was a great match. I really enjoyed it. Uh, always a good time to get out there and swing it. Um, but yeah, heck of a match. Came right down to the 18th hole. Um, and I absolutely screwed up a, an easy wet shot. So theory, theory of the podcast there. So Todd, we'll go ahead and roll it out for us. What, what's your first question you got for us? Who's it from? All right, this is from Michael in uh, Louisville, Kentucky here in my hometown. Um, wow. He asked, what are your pros and cons of public courses versus private courses? Dan? Dan. That's wow, Michael. Great job there, man. Just uh, great, the great state of Kentucky. Just not the right city. Um, but no, uh, I, I, I was one when I was growing up playing golf. I grew up playing public courses, um, so I, I'm pretty biased. Love uh, the public tracks. Uh, there's just like the obviously like the little things that private courses do. Um, you know, the, maybe the, the box at the starter hut with the tees and the ball markers and, and your scorecard and pencils. Um, it, yeah, I mean, obviously private courses have more funding. Um, so aesthetically are, you know, a little bit better, I would say, but you know, a good, no, I mean, nothing really beats a good public track, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you get like... Torrey Pines, Pebble Beach, places like that. I mean, Beth Page Black, are you kidding me? Uh, up here in the great state. So um, there's so many good public tracks out there. But um, I guess I don't even know the cons. Like, what? <laughs> what? Like, golf, golf is right. awesome, right? So, like, um, I don't even know. I I think maybe just get like a lot of private courses or some private courses I've been to don't have tea times. I guess yeah. it's just whoever shows up first. Um, I would say that could be a con for public courses. Like don't even have tea times. Just whoever gets there first, get in line, mm-hmm. you know, and, and go out and play. So um, we'll see who's really dedicated then. But yeah, that that's God, that threw me off guard. That was a good question. Yeah. Throw a little curveball at you there. Dan. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> You know, my, my perspective on, on public versus private, you know, I, growing up on a public golf course, working at a public golf course, you know, I mean, shoot, we were, as a cart boy, we were serving the hot dogs, you know. I mean, you know, that's what a public golf course is, in my opinion, you know, and, and you know, it's not, you know, you might see a head pro washing golf cart or you might see, you know, somebody who might have a different status, you know, doing something that you wouldn't see at a private course. Um, I think private course is a little more specialized, you know. I've played public golf courses that I think are better than private courses at certain times, but obviously sometimes private courses are a little bit better. So I think it's just mainly a status thing, Dan, you know, and I don't think it's right. necessarily what's better or what's worse, but I think it's all on what you're looking for. I mean, like you said, golf is absolutely fantastic. So like go out there and hit it, you know? Right. The only con to private courses is usually you have to know somebody to get on. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> you know? right. But so 
that's kind of my my perspective on that. But uh, excellent question there, out of the gate from Michael. Yeah, there. Michael, nice. wait it, Michael. Kind of stumped us there. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, very good. All right, this next question is from Jeff. He is out of St. Louis, Missouri. Yeah, you guys are all right there. I tell you, all over the the arch, baby. Uh, He asks, coming down the stretch, which of these fan favorite caddies or you know all time favorite caddies would you want on the bag? Stevie, Fluff, or Bones? Dan, take it away. (laughs) (laughs) We kind of had a similar question first episode. Bones, sorry, I didn't even let you finish. For me, it's it's Bones, Jim McKay's. Uh, yeah, and I still love hearing him on uh, on the telecast, walking around the on course commentating. He does, but yeah, I mean, he's still doing caddy duties out there when he's commentating. Like, I mean, he gets in the bunkers, rakes the bunkers, um, and does a lot for those guys when he's out there walking the courses still. But yeah, without a doubt, Bones. Not a bad choice there, Dan. I, I will actually deter here, and I'll actually go with Stevie just for the strict um, reasoning that he actually has more majors than Bones. Um, and, you know, if I'm coming down the stretch, I want a guy who can handle it. And it, maybe Bones is the reason Phil can never win a US Open. Hot take. I mean, I, that's a strong take there, but um, – you never know. You never know. It could have been. Maybe it was Bones' fault. <laughs> I, I don't think that's the case. Um, I don't we can agree to disagree. But, and you never know, T. Maybe, you know, this September, maybe they kind of reunite to try and tackle Wingfoot again and try to get their maybe. redemption. Wow. What a story that would be. That, that would be fantastic. That would be something. That would be a great story. That would be. I, I mean, hopefully I'm there. <laughs> Watch yeah, it in person. Sure. That'd be great. Hopefully they have hopefully there's fans. Yeah, like you said, you know, you gotta know somebody to get in, so I need to start working on that. You do. <laughs> Pots, what's our last All right, boy got here? Wrap up the segment here. We got Jordan from Hilton Head, South Carolina. Hurts beautiful place. Oh. South Carolina. They, they play, play a little, a little, golf, little there. golf there. He asked a little bit. What are your favorite games to play on the course? Wow. Go ahead, T. You know, Dan, I, I think Wolf is a great game. Uh, Umbo's a good game. But, you know, something I've been doing recently, uh, we did it today, um, is straight up playing just a good handicapped match. Um, I've, I've begun doing this with my with my dad, actually. Um, you know, I'll give my dad a certain amount of shots, you know, whether it's 10 shots, 8 shots, 9 shots. Um, you know, today I gave Potts four shots, two shots aside, which in a match play setting, it's technically two, like they get them on the, they get a shot on the two toughest holes on each side. And, you know, even at the turn, you know, today Potts, you were like, you know, I don't necessarily have to have these shots in the back nine, but what did it do? It brought our match down right, right. down to the 18th hole and it made it perfect, you know? And so I think that's. You, you'll be shocked how many times you play handicap matches just one-on-one, and it always comes down to those last couple of holes. And I think that's exactly what we want. We want something to keep us engaged for all 18 holes, right? So, um, yeah, I just like a good old-fashioned one-on-one match play, to be honest with you. Now, boys, we did use the new world handicap system, right? We did use the new world okay. handicap system. We did. I, I was a big fan of that email the other day when I saw that my handicap went up with this new world golf handicap system. Big fan of that. 
because even during this time, still haven't been playing a whole lot of golf because our golf course is closed up here. So um, big big fan whenever the handicap can go up um, a a, a few ticks. So always helps you. Yeah, no, hundred percent. No, those are all great. See, I would you know Wolf obviously probably a big one. Um, Nothing ever beats a good Nassau front back total. Hmm. Um, Umbo growing up was always fun to play, um, playing with our buddies in junior golf, but yeah, I mean, any, anything and everything you can think of like individual wise, team wise, um, you know, we may not play those games with our guys and girls on the course, but anytime you can get competition, we definitely as coaches encourage that. Um, Without a doubt. Yeah, I mean, you always should always keep score no matter what. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's those are all great. Nice little match play head to head, or even just traditional stroke play. Pops, what is uh, what is your preferred game on the golf course? I am definitely a huge fan. I know you guys have already mentioned this of Wolf. Uh, I think it okay. throws just a few loops in there on you. You know, you could go individual. You go um, with one teammate one hole and then a you know, completely different person that you were just going against on the next hole. And then when it comes down to it, if you have, you know, a close match, you know, you have this, you know, a couple of decisions to make on, on the tee box. So I like I like the fact that it gives you all kinds of different angles to play within the matter of, you know, maybe a couple of holes. So, and, uh, but it's right. Yeah. That's always my go-to if, uh, if people are asking, Hey, on the first team, what should we play? You know, that's, that's my, that's my go-to. Yeah, definitely. Excellent. Definitely a big one. Definitely crowd favorite. I think. Absolutely. Well, I definitely think, uh, the 19 pole segment is becoming a crowd favorite. For sure. <laughs> we the listeners. Um, I definitely think uh, this whole aspect of bringing in a special guest is, is going to be pretty popular among the listeners throughout the country. And, uh, Potts, we'd like to thank you for, uh, for coming on. Uh, any final words? Tee it high, let it fly, driver show, puffer dough, baby. Wow. Well, he stole my slogan. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So, hey, hey, well, yeah. long-time listener, baby. Hey. That's right. Yeah, the old team makes the decision if you can come back on. Potsy uh, stealing his line there, but uh, always, always, always a pleasure talking with you, man. Getting you on here, we're just we're men of the people, you know. Amen. Men of the people, bring bring everybody on, <laughs> bring them on. Awesome. Well, Potts, appreciate it, brother. We we thank you for coming on, and uh, we'll be in touch with appreciate you. Appreciate it, fellas. Okay? All right, see you, buddy. Thanks, Potsy. Well, Dan, it's been another great episode here on the, the What the Four podcast, and uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's been great, man. That was a nice little, uh, little extra, extra hole there. No Absolutely. pun intended. The nineteenth hole. So um, <laughs> that was that was great with, with Potsy, and um, no, it's another great episode. I'm, I'm glad uh, we've started doing this, and now we got the ball rolling um, into our uh, next episode. Uh, with another special guest that'll be good dan i'm looking forward to it and uh we will see you next time on the what the four podcast so dan drive for show putt for dough love it man always a great time spending uh spending it with you um every week on what the four podcast uh that one's a two
This one's a three.